Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm right there in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law, they'll fight the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, all you dudes and dudettes? How y'all doing today? Oh, it's hey. a new one. There it is. <laughs> it's always good to change it up from time to time. You know? I kind of like the underwear. Yeah. You know, you want to change that up. <laughs> As my dad told me when I was a little kid, if you don't change your underwear, you're going to get crotch rot and your thing will fall off. Oh, don't want that to happen. And, I like my thing. You know, I have changed my underwear every day since then, just to make sure. Hey. And it's I'm still attached to me, so I'm assuming my dad was correct. Right. And we got Mason to prove it. There's I mean, the, Maddox to prove yeah, it. There's no way to know either way. Because <laughs> it's still yeah. there. I am the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 362, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. Um, if not entertained, people. Oh, my God, you a- forgot your intro. <laughs> I've only said it like... A thousand times. Yeah, that's amazing because we've done 362 <laughs> of these. And we, yeah, we did, did, I mean, God, how many radio shows did we do? It was close to It was close to 500. Yeah, it was close to 500. So, like I said, we've done almost a thousand of these. That's amazing. <laughs> and that's the first time that's ever happened. Okay, let me tell you what, let me tell you what really happens, man. Let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you how this goes down. Because this happened to my father the other day and I was like, you know, my father's uh, almost 80, in great shape, still works out regularly, still works regularly, like, like he's 50. And he asked me something about my brother, and I told him. And literally three minutes later, he asked me the same thing. And I was like, oh, my God, do I now have to start watching for dementia or, or Alzheimer's or something? Because he's never done that before. And here I am now. At the ripe old age of 56, going, what the hell am I supposed to say? <laughs> and then I was like, well, is this what happens when you get dementia? You know what you're supposed to say, but you don't really know? Or you just have no clue that you don't know what you're supposed to say? So I call it 56-year-old man moment. It happens. Uh, I just, I was like, Mo, what is happening right now? I was like, I know I'm supposed to say something. What is this clever line I'm supposed to say? <laughs> And then it finally popped in my head. Oh. I was like, okay, I feel better now. That's awesome. Yeah, see, you still have it. <laughs> You're okay. Hey, 
334-237-2407. Your first phone number? Yeah, it's my phone number at my house growing up in Oak Cliff. So See? I still remember some things. No, that's that's as long as you still remember some <laughs> things, then we'll, we can work with that. It'll be all right. We got right, some right. cowboy stuff to get into. Jerry spoke at the owners' meetings. The owners have approved some rules changes. The Rangers are opening the season. The Mavs finally won a game. There's a lot to get into. So let's dive into it by telling you about Greening Law. I guarantee you remember the Greening Law phone number, too. Because the Greening Law phone number is the one phone number that you really want to make sure that you always remember so that if you get smashed into by a car or something happens to you that wasn't your fault, they are the personal injury lawyer that you need to give a call. So you have their phone number, you know what to do, you pick it up, you call for your free consultation, and then that way you know, do you have a case or not? Because if you do, I will tell you from personal experience, Greening Law will do, they're the magician, they are wizards. They have magic. I am convinced they have magical powers. It's greening law. <laughs> now, let me tell you how this right away. They don't get paid unless you get paid. Y'all hear that? They don't cash no checks until you cash a check. So, you never have to wonder if they're grinding for you. So, again, if you're involved in some accident away from the crib, you know, at a business, on your way somewhere, any place that ain't your house, pick up the phone, give them a call, 972-934-8900. Let them know your situation and your circumstance. And as I like to say, hope like hell that they bring you on as a client. Because if, if they do, it's a great day for you. It is. Because then you know you've got a case and they're going to go to bat for you. And they're fighting those insurance companies for you, which is necessary in those situations. So give them a call. It's Robert Greening. Very easy to get a hold of. 972-934-8900. Call them now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. So the owners' meetings for the NFL are taking place this week, and they are out there in Phoenix where all the owners gather, and they approve some new rules, and they adopt these things. Well, as you might imagine, a contingent of Cowboys reporters makes their way out there in hopes of catching Steven or Jerry or whomever and having an opportunity to continue to ask them some questions to shed some light on the things that they've been doing. Well, fortunately for us, Jerry will always speak to the media, so... We've got, <laughs> yes. we've got some cuts here from Jerry Jones about what he had to say. And, and again, he didn't speak. This was not one of those long scouting combine things. I mean, he spoke to them. Really, it was for about 13 minutes. And, you know, he goes on a tangent from time to time. And there's some different things that, you know, he talks about that you just kind of like raise your eyebrows at. But he did have some things to say that I wanted to <laughs> throw out for you guys. So the first one was he was asked about Brandon Cook's and here's Jerry talking about what Brandon Cooks, the acquisition, and what he thinks that Brandon Cooks will bring to the Cowboys this upcoming season. We couldn't get it done with him during the season, our receiver in Houston. We couldn't get it done. We knew about him because our receiver coach coached him. And we knew that uh, he had uh, a big-time uh, potential answer for what we needed. But we couldn't get it done then, and so, but he was uh, logically... Uh, 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 but when the season was over and we got in this free agency, uh, then he was a, a perfectly logical way for us to look. Uh, but then both his team as well as him were in better shape to look at us. What you uh, want Cooks to do is what uh, Amari uh, did uh, for the overall passing game, not only in uh, the production, uh, which you counted on with Amari, uh, but also the room he opened up for the other receivers. And those two things, uh, because of, of uh, Cooks' speed 
and because of just his his route running ability, he does that for us. And that's something that we've kind of talked about when they brought in Brandon Cooks. I mean, like you can identify that guy and you're like, okay, yes, he's very fast. He has that speed. And it's funny to hear them say, you know, not necessarily a production of Amari Cooper, but yeah, so we figured out pretty quick last year that we don't have that other receiver that can help do some things that open the passing game up for everybody to be more effective. Well, duh, that's why the... <laughs> I mean, That's why anybody who knew anything about football was like, what in the hell are y'all doing with Amari Cooper, man? And the the next sentence was, it's okay if you want to get rid of Amari Cooper. Yeah. But you got to get a suitable replacement for him. It just can't be, you know, a couple guys named Jimbo. It needs to be real players, and they didn't do that, and that's why they suffered for most of last year. I will give them credit for this. They did this once before admitted their screw-up and went and got Amari Cooper for a first-round pick uh, five games, I think, into that 2017 season. So now they realized last year that they made a mistake and they tried to rectify it during the season, and they didn't wait long in the offseason to rectify it. So I give them credit for understanding sometimes we screw up. Uh, we just need to acknowledge it and uh, hurriedly fix it so we can uh, get on to uh, being a better football team. Yeah, and they've done that, and, and I think that we agree, and, and we kind of said the same things about Brandon Cooks and why that's such a great move for the Cowboys. The other thing he talked about, and, and I think this is interesting, because, again, this is kind of all-encompassing Brandon Cooks, Gilmore, them kind of signing some of the guys that they've signed that were their own free agents, and what type of flexibility or what that allows them to do coming up next month at the draft. And here's Jerry thought about what they'll do and how they kind of see the draft heading into it this season. We've uh, got ourselves in real good shape to uh, uh, get some picks that we can play immediately. And uh, that's the goal. And if you think about it, that should have been the goal when you went into the offseason. If you'll get yourself to where you can draft some players you can put on the field uh, and be uh, position selective a little bit when you're doing it. And now we don't ever want to pass on the guy you ought to be taking there, but still be position selective. And that's, I think, where we are. I feel good that it, uh, we could take any position there with uh, any pick. I thought that was interesting how he phrased that position selective, which makes it sound like they've got a couple of positions in mind that they want to come out of the first or second round having those positions taken. Yeah, it's it, now it's interesting to wonder what those are, uh, because, you know, the conversation to be offensive line, I think based on the people I've talked to and then based on what I've heard is, uh, you know, I'd be more inclined to think that they take offense rather than defense. Mm hmm. Uh, because they spend a lot of their free agent dollars on defense, whether we're talking about Gilmore uh, trade or whether we're talking about Leighton Van Der Esch or uh, Donovan safety. Wilson. Yeah, safety Donovan Wilson. Oh, that's defense. Uh, they're supposed to be getting Hankins, Tech McKinley, you know, Dante Fowler. Oh, that's defense. So it would seem to me that they would spend it on offense. And so the interesting thing for me is going to be value. Like if you're, if you're there at 26 – do you take a guard? Okay, check this out. On the list of valuable positions, guard is not very high mm -hmm. in terms of just overall football value. Guards are not high. Um, do you take a running back? Let's say it's somebody like Bijan uh, Robinson or the kid from Alabama is there. Um, Jameer Gibbs. You, Jameer Gibbs, who's got big play potential. Um, do you want to take them knowing that 
Okay, I just did this whole Zeke thing, so we're probably looking at five, six years and out. No second contract, but we are taking him into 20, so maybe we do that. Or do you say, hey, let's go grab a tight end. We like Jake Ferguson, but there's a better player than Jake Ferguson we can grab in the first round at tight end. And then that means our backup tight end is, is, is starter cap- you know, is, is good enough to be a real starter. So now we got really good players at tight end. Um, because if we wait to the second round, we might not get an elite tight end, but we could get an elite running back or we could still find a guard in the second round. I think that's kind of the question. Oh, I didn't mean to talk about receiver. Yeah. Uh, but, but again, you can find receivers in the second and third round. So based off of that conversation, if you want a tight end, I would probably take the tight end in the first round. Man, if there's a tight end in the first round, that would be fascinating to see them do that. I'm okay. also, you know, it's really interesting because of what Jerry said about the offensive line and Chill was reporting earlier today that the Cowboys will consider Terrence Steele at guard because the organization believes that Tyron Smith is a better pass blocker at right tackle. But obviously, Terrence Steele's position is right tackle, and, and that's what they put the second round tender on him to be a, a right tackle with the idea that Tyler Smith is now your left tackle and will continue to be your left tackle as he is the next hopeful Tyron Smith and is your left tackle for 10 years. But it's really interesting because it doesn't feel like they have somebody for that guard spot that they feel comfortable with. And I kind of wonder at 26, if there is a guard that they feel first round guard, plug them in and you've got a starter and you've taken care of that. And then do you use either Terrence Steele or Tyron Smith as your swing tackle, which might be a little strange? Yeah, it's, um, you know, there's also the conversation about when Tyron gets hurt because he gets hurt every year. And yep. That's no knock on him. That's just what it is. What is the least disruptive move? The least disruptive move is you just move Terrence Steele right into guard. Yeah. I mean, right into tackle and keep it moving. Um, you know, I was I was asking a friend of mine who's who's uh, you know knows as much about football as anybody. I said, so uh, why wouldn't you just want your five out there and put the young guy at guard where he started off last year? And he was like, well, because he should tackle of the future. You know that. You know Tyron gets hurt, so why not just let him get as many reps at the position that he's going to be playing? So, um, you know, I, I came out with this. They just have options, and most of their options are good options. And so that's a good spot to be. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, real talk, people, it's just not that hard to find guards. It's just not. Because Connor Williams, to me, to me, is just an average NFL player. Which most offensive linemen are. And he just signed three years, $21 million with the Bills. And we were all like, really? And before him, who was playing left guard? Connor Williams, who to me is just an average NFL player. And what did he get? Like three years, 21 million, something like that to go be with the Dolphins. Um, so if they want to spend a second or third round pick, I don't think they have to f- spend a first round pick on a guard. Matter of fact, I would advise against it. Um, second or third round pick, hey, knock yourself out. Go get you a guard for four or five years and let him walk. Yeah, that's kind of how I see it. I, I, I just don't. You don't have to have everyone on your offensive line be first-round guys. It's okay to have a second or a third-round guard. You can get away with that, and you don't have to have an all-pro or a Pro Bowl player five spots across the offensive line for this thing to work. No, that's what coaching is about. Right. and, and Coach him up. And that's where I think his next comic gets interesting because if you'll remember, we played that thing when he was at the scouting combine and him talking about pass protection and all that and the things – 
Well, he was asked about Dak Prescott. Here's Jerry's response about why Dak Prescott essentially is going to be better this year. Listen to this as he kind of gets into that again. What we're trying to do is uh, make Dak more available, which if you look at the last three years, he needs to be more available. And uh, for everything we're doing and feel good about in this offensive line should make him more available. And then we're doing some things in the line, some technique and some philosophy that will really help Dak out. So I'd say to our fans, uh, these adjustments that we're making in our offense, both as uh, at the receiver, both at uh, uh, what Dak's responsibilities are before that snap, and both at his protections and ways that he can uh, uh, give himself more protection uh, by uh, some options of uh, getting rid of the ball. All of those things is, uh, I think you add all of that up and you are going to see uh, Dak at his very best. And I just think that's interesting that they obviously are doing something different with the offensive line and, and, and not necessarily different combination, but they're coaching it. They're doing something different or working on protections differently that they think will help Dak to be able to get the ball out more comfortably or something. Cause he's brought that up a couple of times, which is kind of interesting. Well, I think if we, if we talk for now, kind of in generalities, I think some of it dog is that what's, if they go to much more of a West coast, well, 35% and they add West coast offense. What are, what are we doing? We're talking about three strap drops. We're talking about getting rid of the ball a little faster a little more quickly, using backs a little bit more as, as quicker outlets and options. And what is all that designed to do? Keep your quarterback from getting hit. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting that he actually talked about Dak's availability because, you know, you ain't no good to us if you're hurt. And, yeah, we give you the broken ankle. Uh, but, you know, you also had that calf thing, and now you got a broken thumb. And I'm not sure any of those is like, you know, broken bones, are just, I mean, what do you want me to do? That's not a training. That's not a health. That's just right. bad freaking luck in the fact that we play a very physical game. Uh, but the flip side of that is we can call it whatever we want to call it, dog. The reality is you missed like, you know, 15, 17 games last two years or last three years, and you were hobbled with that calf uh, the other year. Mm-hmm. So old players, as you move into your 30s, you're not going to get healthier. LeBron James, Kevin Durant, you're not going to get healthier. You're going to get more beat up. And so, yeah, health is a real deal, man, and figuring out ways to keep him healthy and figuring out ways to uh, keep people from beating up on him is uh, has to be at the uh, top of your priority list. Now, these next couple of little quotes here from Jerry are more so about what he thinks about the team, but I did think this was interesting of, you know, and Chill's always trying to get him to, to say something about the team and why is this team better? Do you believe it's better? But this is interesting where he kind of has a message for the fans of why you should believe that maybe this team will be a little bit better, and here's what he had to say. If our fans add that up, that our ability to really coach this team, if you'll add that up and then you take the acquisition of those veteran players, the re-signing of our veteran players, bringing back our safety, Wilson, uh, doing those kinds of things, uh, I'm excited for our fans, but more excited than the fans. So, I, I, and, and I think that's fair because Chill, I'll just play this next clip real quick because this is a very quick one, and I thought Jerry was emphatic. He doesn't expand on his answer. He just answers the question about well, here's what you'll have to ask him. Both of those are older players. You, both of them have a lot of gas. You believe left to tank to, to help this team. Is this team better now than it was at the end of the season with those two guys? Yes. 
And that's all he said, and he moved on to the next question. And I thought, you know what, Jerry? That might be the first time you've answered that question where I agree with you. <laughs> I do think this team is better than it was at the end of the season. I, I, I don't disagree with what Jerry said because he tries to pump that sunshine up our ass all the time. You know, he did it in, the, in, in heading into training camp last year where, oh, we're excited about our young guys, and this is a better team. And I remember you and I were sitting here going, what are you talking about? You know, but I, I got to give him some credit there. Those last two things that he said, I think that they have shown that they're willing to do some things. They up, they understand the window is open right now and they better take advantage of it. And I agree. I think that the Dallas Cowboys are better with what they have done right now than they were when the season ended. Well, I think they're better because, as we've discussed, usually they're just replacing guys that they lost. Well, they replaced, they kept the guys that were really critical to what they wanted to do. And then they added better players. Uh, they added good players uh, to the roster. So, yeah, I mean, you can look at them and clearly see that on paper, yeah, they do appear to be better, and here's why. Uh, it's not real complicated. And so, for me, but they needed to be better. The schedule is difficult. The division is difficult. And uh, if you want to be a legitimate contender, uh, you had to upgrade the roster. And so I think they've had a really good offseason, and uh, they just need to continue it with a, uh, with a really good draft. Yes, they do. Get some of those key pieces, and we'll see where they're at. But I agree with them, man. I like where they're at, but that's what Jerry had to say at the owners' meetings out there in Phoenix. Owners also approving a couple of new rules today. And, and I, I say this because a lot of these, they approved. I'm trying to see here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine new rules were approved. Rules, bylaws, bylaws and resolutions. The only one that I think any of us will probably notice, they have approved the use of the number zero as a jersey numeral, and they are going to allow kickers and punters to use any jersey between zero and 49 and 90 and 99, but zero you know I mean? will now be a jersey number. You know, I want a kicker to wear 99 for some reason. Yeah, it'd be so random to see a kicker run or, out there with 99 or, or on. 90. It's funny. Okay, we're going to talk about this, but then we're going to branch out for a minute. Because it's funny how we feel about numbers. Yep. Like in baseball, it seems to me, I realize things are changing some, but I just look at you as a complete spare when you have numbers in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Because they used to give those out to guys in spring training, and when you got to be a real player, let me trade that in for a real number. Mm -hmm. But in hockey, I don't really care what you wear. Um, and it can be as random as, you know, 59 or 67 or whatever yeah. because Wayne Gretzky started this whole thing about 99 and then, um, you know, the the, uh, the Penguins came in, Lemieux had his thing, and then um, who's the other guy with the big hair who was with Lemieux? Yarmir Yager. Yeah, Yager had his wild number, and, uh, you know, hockey is, is just whatever, dog, whatever, whatever you feeling good, man. And then the NBA – uh, this is not quite as wild, but now you got Luca wearing 77. You got people kind of branching out and doing their own thing. And so, But football, man, they've been so no fun about numbers. But uh, I like zero. You got Michael Parsons out here talking about the switch is coming. I'm going to be agent zero. And I don't believe that. No, he's got to stick with the 11. It's too late. I was going to say, I don't believe that because he's got so much sweat equity involved in college and the NFL with, with 11. But don't forget, don't forget. You know, in the NBA with Kobe and LeBron, they made changing numbers like like part of their business. Yeah, that's deal. true. Like, oh, okay, we racked up all this marketing money with twenty four. 
they treated it like teams do with new uniforms. Yeah. Okay. Let's see how much more marketing money I can ratchet up if I go from 24 to 8 or if I go from 23 to 6. So he could be like, now he doesn't have the longevity that they did when they switched, but he could be like, well, I've kind of maximized these numbers. Zero is coming back. So let me be Agent Zero and come out here with a whole new marketing campaign and, uh, you know, go from there. I don't think he'll do it, but it wouldn't shock me if he did. And it is good because linebackers can wear zero, but defensive linemen cannot. Defensive linemen are still limited to 50 through 79 and 90 through 99. So I guess if he's going to be a linebacker, he can wear zero. Watch the NFL do that. Like, nope, you can't be zero because you lined up at edge more than you did at linebacker or whatever weird. Because that's what the NFL would do. Because I thought O.C. Odigazua would be perfect for the number zero because both of his first and last names are O, and that would fit. But he can't wear it because he's obviously a defensive lineman. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But it is kind of wild. We'll see who does it. Calvin Ridley so far, and this just happened within the last few hours as we record the podcast, but Calvin Ridley is the only NFL player who has already announced that he is going to wear the number zero, and he will do that, of course. He's with Jacksonville now. If you forgot, he got traded from the Falcons, suspended all of last year, but Calvin Ridley announced he will be number zero. Some of the other rules changes, I mean, some of them, like a lot of them are like this. They will make the adjustment of the play clock following an instant replay reversal consistent with other timing rules, which apparently they they didn't do that before, whatever that means. They now will allow the replay official to have jurisdiction to allow for review on failed fourth down attempts without having to be a coach's challenge, I guess. They've changed the definition of a launch to leaving one or both feet. The penalty for tripping is now a personal foul. The penalty for illegally handling the ball forward consistent now with other illegal acts such as illegally forward passing. The penalty for illegal punts, drop kicks, or plates kicks is now consistent with other illegal acts such as forward passing. I mean, what the hell is this? (laughs) The offense can no longer benefit by the extension of the half as a result of their foul. So I guess like if there's offensive pass interference, instead of there being another play, then the half just ends. And then, I mean, seriously, this is the last one that was approved today. Clarification to use of the helmet against an opponent by removing the butt, ram, or spear language. (laughs) I mean, so that way... Now you just, it's more clear. You just don't, you're not as confused. Did he butt him with his helmet? I mean, this, what are we doing? It's, yeah, we, we, yeah we, we, he hit him with his helmet. So, right. Yeah. So again, like I said, the, the, like all eight of those, none of us will ever notice except for the number zero. That's the one that will stand out because you'll start seeing the number zero and you're like, oh, that looks kind of different. But they did shoot down the opportunity because it was proposed to have roughing the passer reviewable and that got shot down. Huh. I wouldn't have minded that because some of them are just no a joke. I think that they yeah. should have allowed it to be reviewable because, yes. And then I think it was the Chargers or the Eagles, one of those two teams that had proposed a third coach's challenge, and that got shot down. No, we don't need no. They, they got enough replay. We don't need more challenges. Yeah. So that's what the NFL was doing out there today. Maybe everybody enjoyed that. The other thing at the NFL owner meetings that we now know is it's it's only a matter of time but Daniel Snyder apparently now 
has two different $6 billion bids to buy the Washington Commanders. And the latest is a fully funded bid from, I'm totally going to butcher this dude's last name, but Steve Apostolopoulos, I believe is his last name. He is a Canadian billionaire. And it matches the amount of a bid made by a group led by some dude named Josh Harris. So, I I don't know. There, There is a belief that there could be an agreement in place before the NFL draft within the next 30 days to get Dan Snyder out and he would not be the owner of Washington moving forward and it could be as early as before the draft. Well, good. Let's get just the biggest douche out of the league. I'm not saying all these other owners are great, but he's just by far, he's just a bad dude from everything you read yep. uh, and everything you hear. He's just a bad dude. So, yeah, let him take his billions and go make somebody else's life miserable. And now we don't have to worry about him in the league. Yeah, no doubt, man. I mean, you are talking about a guy that has just absolutely destroyed. I mean, I'm a Cowboys fan, and I don't even hate Washington because they've been so colossally irrelevant for the vast majority of my Cowboys fandom. Now I get it. They were very good in the early 90s. And I I remember watching that Super Bowl. But I was, you know, the Cowboys also were winning Super Bowls in, in the early 90s. And you look at this. The last Super Bowl that they won in 1991, he bought the team in 1999. And since then, beginning in the year 2000, they have, what, four playoff appearances, five playoff appearances, and have won one playoff game since the turn of the millennium? Yeah, brother, they ain't done much. I mean, they they are one of the most irrelevant trash franchises in the NFL that never does anything that has no hope of ever doing anything. And much like the Cowboys is one of those teams in the NFC, they haven't played in an NFC championship game since 1991, the last year they won the Super Bowl. When they played the Detroit Lions. Right, man. And, and that was, you know, Jack Kent Cook and his ownership and, and the Hogs and, and Joe Gibbs and, and winning multiple Super Bowls. And they were always a team. I mean, I remember as a little kid, hating Washington kind of like I hate Philadelphia now because they were always they always seemed to be a team that was in the way winning the division winning 10 plus games a year <laughs> I mean it, it, it's it's just so wild that, that that type of ownership could be in charge of a franchise that long to where I mean if we want to count 99 the very first year that he owned the franchise they've won two playoff games in his tenure They won 10 games that year. They won 10 games in 2005, 10 games in 2012. Those are the only times. Think about that. 1999 through 2022, they have three seasons of 10-plus wins. Dude, that's like 30 years. That's a lot of bad football. That's incredible. Now, it's some of his ownership, some of his coaching, some of it's... uh, Sure. Some of it's what we talk about all the time. They had a quarterback... And they had a coach in Shanahan and RG3, and then the football guys intervened, and he was hurt, and he rushed back, and his basically his career was over. Yeah, and you think about it. I mean, it, it's been such a – because Norv was there when he first bought the team, and he fired him halfway through his second year of owning the team. They went to Marty Schottenheimer for a year. Then they went to Steve Spurrier for two years. Then remember – and this is what's wild about this – they brought back Joe Gibbs. Remember they brought, because I, I forgot they brought back Joe, Joe Gibbs for like four or five seasons in the mid-2000s. And so Joe Gibbs is there. 
trying to see what was this. Yeah, Joe Gibbs was there for three years. In two of his three years, they make the playoffs. <laughs> but he fires them after a nine and seven season. They bring in Jim Zorn for two seasons. Then they hey. go they go get Mike Shanahan for four years. Then Jay Gruden for a handful of years. Then Ron Rivera, who is obviously there now and is heading into his third season. Bro. That's some turnover right there for Washington. Yeah, but see, it happened because you have to respect the process, man. When Joe Gibbs takes you to the playoffs and he goes nine and seven, nine and seven is not a bad year. It can be disappointing based on your expectations, but it's not a bad year. Um, and you build on that nine and seven, you hope, and you and you take it to eleven and five or ten and six or whatever. But instead, you know, thing about him is he's an impulsive guy, or he's been an impulsive owner, and so that's why he's firing everybody. Because but you can't live in the world of impulse when you're an NFL coach. Yeah. I mean, NFL owner. And that's what, again, for the NFL, it is much, much better to get rid of this guy as a Cowboys fan. It's going to make the division tougher. It's, you get rid of him, somebody's going to come in here, and you got to think that once that ownership group gets out of the way, that maybe they can finally... There's just I, I have a hard time believing that another owner comes in, and in the next 20 years, they have three 10-win seasons. I mean, that's hard to do, bro. I mean, that's not even easy to do. It's amazing, man. So we'll move forth here because we got to get into a trip around the block. There's a couple things I want to throw out for everybody. And as we do that, let's tell you about Freeway Tire Shop, man. JR and his crew, we tell you about them all the time so that it's ingrained in you. The next time you need an oil change, a tire rotation, you need new tires, you need brakes, you need whatever happens with your vehicle. And you sit there and you pause and you go, man, where should I take my car? Well, those of you that listen to the podcast, you don't have to think about it. You go, oh, I'm going to Freeway Tire Shop. And somebody goes, well, Freeway, why are you going there? Because I can trust JR. It's elite customer service. It's fair pricing. He stands behind his work. And because Jacques takes all 9,500 cars that he has over there. <laughs> well, yeah, I do all of that, bro, because of the reasons you just, you just mentioned, man. And number one on the list, bro is you can trust him to diagnose what the hell is wrong with your car. That's the most important thing. Like, what the heck is wrong, bro? Then you can trust him to use quality parts to fix what's wrong. Another thing I really, really like, you can trust JR to charge you a fair price. Might not be the cheapest price. It'll be a fair price for the work that's done. And then, man, you can trust him to stand behind his work, which means if it make, starts making a funny noise again, you just bring it back. It's not all this moaning and grunting. Just, hey, JR, it's making that noise again, dog. Oh, okay, let me see. That, oh, okay, here's what it is. We got it this time. We good to go. And you're off and running, man. So I like to tell people, and I'm real about this. If your mechanic ain't doing all four of them things I just mentioned, do you need to ditch that dude or do that? Take your butt up 35, man. Get right off 35 toward Denton. It's five minutes from downtown. Get off of Commonwealth. Go through the light. He's right there on the right. You cannot miss him. And then, uh, you know, make sure you tell him your boys from Jam Session sent you. Exactly. It's very easy to do. And if you want to check them out online, make yourself comfortable. Do it. It's right there, freewaytireshop.com. Also, of course, brought to you, as we always are, by our good friends over at Smokey John's Barbecue, man. And again, one of the best things to do, if you've got to take your car over to Freeway Tire Shop and it's going to take you some time, drop it off, let JR do his thing, jump in an Uber or a Lyft, or maybe you've got a buddy and he's like, hey, f follow me to Freeway and then let you and I go get a jam session bowl over at Smokey John's. 
because it's literally five minutes away from freeway. It's right there off 35 and Mockingbird in between Love Field and 35. Smokey John's Barbecue, I'm telling you guys, that jam session bowl, they created it for all of you. They created a menu item. Well, it's, it's not even on the menu. It's a secret off menu item. You have to know, you have to listen to the podcast to know you can even order it. And the thing of it is, man, it's phenomenal. It's actually really, really, really good because what Smokey John's does is really, really, really good. Dude, Smokey John's is the best. And whatever they do is good. But not just that, man. That jam session bowl is something out of this world. It's this fantastic concoction. That's what I call it anyway. It's either got a mashed potato base or a mac and cheese base, all right? Then your choice out of two out of five smoked meats. <laughs> How good is that? I usually ride with the brisket and the sausage. But then, man, this is when it gets interesting. That's when they put all the stuff from a loaded baked potato, you know, uh, chives, butter, sour cream, bacon bits, cheese. Oh, it's to live for multiple times. Then they drizzle it with that sauce, bro. And I'm telling y'all, it's big enough for two. Real talk. If you got a little shorty, six or seven, the three of y'all can eat off of it. If it's just two, you're probably going to bring leftovers home. It's fantastic. Uh, get the jam session bowl. Tell me, boys, from uh, Jam Session told you to get the Jam Session Bowl. And what y'all want to do is order it like I order it. See, y'all didn't know I ordered it a special mm-hmm. way. When they say, what do you want to say? Give me that damn bowl. So that's what you need to say. And I know what you're talking about. Seriously. Okay. There it is, man. That's exactly how you do it then. It's Smokey John's Barbecue. Get over there. Let them know that you're with the Jam Session Podcast, man, and they're going to get you taken care of. The brothers that own it are great people. It's a family-owned restaurant. It's been local for years and years and years. And the best part, it's some of the very best barbecue in the DFW area. It's Smokey John's. Check them out. So I want to bring this up, and I meant to do this a couple episodes ago, but this is pretty cool. And it's a, it's a giant thank you to all you guys. So this is our 362nd episode. I believe on episode three, it was either 359 or 360, we hit 1 million all-time downloads. Wow! 1 million all-time downloads, which That's is really amazing, cool. amazing, brother. That is a lot of downloads, man. That's amazing. I know. I saw that, and I was like, holy crap, we hit a million? That's awesome. I mean, that is, that is really, really, really cool. It's over a million now, and, and you know, you guys that continue to support us and continue to listen to us and make this thing possible, it's just... It's incredible to be over 1 million all-time total downloads. Dude, no, that's, uh, that's amazing. I, yeah, I'm speechless. Yeah, and, and that's all you guys out there that continue to listen and tell your friends. And so, very cool. Wanted to throw that out there for you. Very much appreciative of all of you that continue to listen. And, and if you're new to us, welcome. And, and we're glad you're here, and we appreciate that. The other thing I wanted to throw out, because I don't know if Man, you saw I'm, this. I'm, I'm still stunned, bro. I know. You see that number one million, you're like, holy crap, a million different downloads of the podcast. That's impressive. Hell yeah, it is. That's awesome. As, as we've been doing this now, you know, a little over two years, and in, in a little over two years, a million, over a million downloads. Wow. Amazing. So how about this? Because you are a, a Waterloo lover. I am a Waterloo lover. Bro, what do I have right in front of me? You've got a Waterloo. Strawberry Waterloo. See, and I, I had a way today, bro. How about that? Did you know that they have new flavors of Waterloo? They've got. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. They've got some kind of orange vanilla. Orange vanilla, which I have not yes. tried yet because I, I I don't know about that one. 
That sounds like some creamsicle stuff. And I'm yeah, I don't know about that. that one. And then they've got uh, some kind of ginger something. Mm, ginger citrus, citrus twist, which I am currently drinking. How is it? It is fantastic. As a matter of fact, because I'm a lemon-lime Waterloo guy for the most part. I know. So right. the ginger citrus twist may be the new go-to is, for Waterloo. Is that right? I'm is a big fan of it. it. To me, it kind of tastes, it, it's, it's, it's like the lemon lime to a little bit with a little bit of ginger in it. It's very, very good. I'm, I, I highly enjoy it. I've already crushed a 12-pack of it. Whoa. Where'd you find it? Walmart, I believe. Really? Of all places. Well, we order online and they bring them to the house, so... Yeah, and, and that's what's weird is that... Like, I didn't I even know Walmart sold Waterloo. Yeah. I've, I've only seen LaCroix there. Before. No, they do. and I I, Well, see, and I don't know if they have it in store, but if you if you order online, they will... It's really odd because like, we'll order groceries sometimes, like I've been talking about online, and they deliver them to you. Yeah. And we'll order Waterloo, and it takes like three or four days to get here because they ship it from somewhere else. Really? Yeah, and what's weird is they charge more for the new flavors, but I wanted to try it, so I was willing to pay a couple extra bucks. All right, all right, all right. All yeah, because right, I'll right. order like two or three. I guess it's two that come together. We order two 12-packs at once because I drink so much of it. Yes, sir. I, I, here's what I do. I mean, if you like sparkling water, there's a fascinating conversation. If not, you should go get you some sparkling water, then join in on the fun. Yeah. I go get my favorite flavors in the 12-packs from Whole Foods. Yep. And then I supplement it with the $8, 20, 24 for $8 at Costco or Sam's or wherever. Uh, just because uh, I like, you know, I don't mind the other flavors as an offshoot, but I don't want to be dominated by them. So I like my 12-pack of my strawberry and uh, pineapple, and then I just go get the other ones. Uh, yeah, uh, and it, so that's the thing with the orange vanilla. Is like I, I, I want to try it, but I don't want to get – I'm not committing to 12 of them. And Target will sell the eight-packs, but they, I guarantee you they don't carry the orange vanilla – so then it's a matter of, can I find it somewhere? Because every once in a while, you'll find a store that has Waterloo available in singles. True that. True it's that. very rare to come across that. But man, I'm like, orange vanilla, do I really want to commit to a whole 12-pack of orange vanilla? Nah, nah. I, I didn't even want to do that in my head. When I saw that, I was like, eh, somebody else is going to have to bless me with that before I give Yeah, because man, I had... Uh, so one week I went away from Waterloo because Publix, the grocery store chain that's very popular in this part of the country, Publix was doing a buy one, get one on LaCroix. So I was like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do buy one, get one for LaCroix. Why not? So I went and got their lemon, which was fine. And then I got one. I was like, oh, cherry blossom. That sounds interesting. And dude, I still got half of that thing sitting in my fridge outside because it is nasty. <laughs> it tastes like a flower dipped in fake cherry. I was like, I can't do this. That's why they said cherry blossom. Man, and I tried. I was like, oh, man. I was like, well, at least this is, I'll just say this was the free one. <laughs> but, you know, that's why, like, you know, Waterloo, you got to stick with it. And every Wednesday, I check the public's website because they put their buy, their buy one, get one offers for the week up on their website every Wednesday. And every Wednesday, I check to see if, if Waterloo is going to be because, like, every so often, they'll have Waterloo, and I'll just go load up. Yeah, I, I'm with you, bro. I mean, buy one, get one. I mean, holy crap, that's awesome. That's half price, literally. So anytime yeah, you can uh, get something for half price that you use a ton, I'm all about that, man. So I took some, uh, I took, I had a dentist appointment this morning. And I, I was greeted with a great compliment. And so, uh, and it wasn't even about my teeth. The, the hygienist 
opened my mouth, took a look in and said, my goodness, you don't have nearly as much tartar as you did the last time. You've done a great job of flossing. Nice. And at one level, I said, well, you know, I didn't really have all that much tartar the last time, you know, compared to most folks. But, you know, once I stopped being indignant, I was like, well, thank you very much. It's because I'm addicted to those floss toothpicks and I have them everywhere. And I probably floss four or five or six times a day just because I can't stand having stuff in my teeth. Uh, but the reason I'm saying this story is that I took a Waterloo with me, but I didn't even have time to drink it because I didn't have to wait at all. I just walked right in there. Yeah. And so now this is a dentist I've probably been going to for 20 years or something, something close to that. So as I was leaving, the receptionist says, hey, what are you drinking there? I go, oh, she goes, you know, I've tried some different waters. What is that one? So I've, I'm giving her the Waterloo spiel. And she says, and she's asking me so many questions. I just go, you know what, Alicia? Why don't you just try it? Here, half this. Oh, I can't take your water. I said, trust me. I've got plenty of water. <laughs> <laughs> just try it. Awesome. And so I need to, and before they close, uh, maybe I'll check her with her tomorrow because they probably closed just now. I need to say, hey, did you enjoy that Waterloo? Are you a convert now? Because I was telling her, I said, don't be, all sparkling waters are not built the same. That's very Some, true. I said, they almost always smell good, but Waterloo to me has the most flavors with the most robust uh, flavor. They just don't smell good. They, they have some real flavor to them. Waterloo to me is the goat of sparkling water. I, I, yeah. I, it's Topo Chico can be very, very good. I, I like Topo Chico. But Waterloo, yes. with the different flavors, it is just phenomenal. I love okay, Waterloo. See. All right, let's let's go down the let's go down the um, rabbit hole now. Okay, we've both said that Waterloo is the goat. Mm -hmm. Is Topo Chico your number two? Yes. They're probably my number two. I, I was going heavy on them for a while, but they burn my throat so much because they're so powerful. I now like to just weave them in here and there, and I really prefer. Um, the grapefruit. Yeah, the grapefruit's the very good, yeah. I like that one the best as well. All right. Now, what's number three on the list? God, number three. You know, it's probably LaCroix, but it has to be certain flavors. I got to right. be honest with you, man. My mom and dad get the Kroger sparkling waters, and I'll drink those when I'm in town, and there's a couple of those that are damn good. Right, right. I might have that as my number four. I can tell you what I don't like, and that is the Spindrift sparkling water, which I've had a couple of people tell me about those. And the funny thing of it is, is the Spindrift sparkling waters, because they, they market them as no artificial sugars, only natural because it's real squeezed fruit. I find right. those incredibly sweet. That's because if we're used to drinking stuff with nothing, anything you add to it is going to be sweet. Yeah, and they're not calorie free either. They're low cal and they're nah, not nah, nah, nah. They're not sugar free because they're no sugar added. The only sugar that they have in these drinks comes from the fruit that they use. But uh, then the problem becomes like if, if you're gonna have like one of them, cool. But man, if you're gonna drink them like how I drink them, I'm probably out on that. No, I don't want any I just want once I started drinking the natural stuff, I don't want anything added to it. Yep, uh, and they, because their carbonation yeah. level is lower than some of the other ones as well. Right, my number three is bubbly. Uh, yeah, bubbly solid. I can do. They bubbly. got several. They got several good flavors. And um, well, you know what? Okay, if bubbly's my number three, you know who my number four is, bro? Polar. No, it's the uh, it's Target's brand G and G. 
I haven't had that in forever, but it's solid. No, they've got they. Anyway, to me, you're right. It's solid because they got a few flavors I like. To me, the difference in them is what get what makes Waterloo the goat is they have the most flavors that are good. Like they probably to me have seven or eight different flavors that are all pretty solid, and then yeah. the ones that the ones that I say are not that solid <coughs> are still better than most. Okay. So, what else y'all want to know about sparkling water? Yeah, because, you know, they got the the big, like, San Pellegrino and, oh, what's the... I, uh, I didn't really get down with Pellegrino. One. Oh, Perrier was like yeah, the original. Perrier, yeah. I tried to drink Perrier. Perrier is too... F- I don't want to cuss today. They're too snooty. Like, Perrier started it. Yep. You know, I think this is all funny because my mom used to drink Perrier. Hey, Jacques, you need to try it. I'm like, Mom, I don't know how you drink this stuff. It's I mean, nasty. there's a million of them now, man. I mean, there's it's absolutely a million too. of them. Dude, this is like uh, this is like hard seltzer. Everybody's got one now. Yeah, and it's wild too because Polar, which is another one of those, I only drink if we stop in at Bucky's because that's all. That's the only sparkling water. Well, I think they might have Topo Chico, but like you'll go to Bucky's and they'll have Polar. It'll be like two for one, and they're like a dollar. So you get two for like two for a dollar. And I'm like, oh, all right, I'll drink sparkling water two for a dollar. So you talk me into it. Yeah, so it makes it really easy for me. But yeah, those are the main ones. I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm sure that there's some other ones that are out there, but those are the main ones that I'm familiar with that I've had. But Waterloo, by far, I mean, it's not even close for me. It's Waterloo all day. Mm. I'm a Waterloo guy. Waterloo is my name. (laughs) So the other thing I wanted to throw out here for you, and again, the Texas Rangers, they are going to open the season on Thursday. I'm stoked for this. As a matter of fact, I was going to say that we should record the podcast on Thursday morning because the Rangers' first pitch is at 3 o'clock, and I want to watch opening day of Rangers. So we'll have to figure that out. But I bring this up because the Texas Rangers have announced their new concessions for the year, and they do this every year. They add some things. They delete some things. But there are six new main concessions that they are adding how about this one and i'm sure everybody is familiar with the boomstick the original boomstick which was the two foot long hot dog that they came out with a few years ago god that was god that was probably like a decade ago when they came out with that well how about this they have the new boomstick burger which is a two foot long bun and a two foot long nolan ryan beef patty as big around as a baseball bat it comes with a, a it comes with a blend of chili, nacho cheese, jalapenos, and onion rings, all on a two foot long. Essentially, it's a two foot long hamburger that you can get for thirty five bucks. <laughs> I mean, I guess the four of us are, are going to share it. I'm talking about mom, dad, the two kids. I guess, man. If I, I ate that, is, I would diarrhea in my pants. Okay, stop. I'm this just is what saying. I appreciate. <laughs> I appreciate the fact, even though it's, see, this is what I appreciate. I have accepted the fact that airports and at ballparks, the food is going to be ridiculously overpriced. So if that's the case, movies too, if that's the case, the least you can do is give me good food that's overpriced, not the bullshit. And so if the Rangers want to charge you overprice all their stuff, that's fine because at least the option, at least you feel good eating it. 
when it's going down. Yeah, I spent more money than I was supposed to, but yeah, you know, whatever. But at least the food was actually good. And so, um, you know, I can live with that, bro. All right, fair enough. So the other one that they are releasing is called Flamin' Hot Cheetos Pretzels, which, as you might imagine, is literally a pretzel that is coated in what looks like a large amount of Cheetos powder. Like Flamin' Hot Cheetos powder. Like they dipped these soft pretzels in flamo, Flaming Hot Cheetos powder. And the powder would just get all over you, I guess. I, I don't, whatever. There's a biscuit croissant, which is a barbecue pastry made with slabs of Nolan Ryan brisket on a butter croissant topped with a sweet Baby Ray donut-style glaze. Really, that looks like it's a little extreme. There is a PLT sandwich, which is a vegan option, and it is a portabella mushroom sandwich with lettuce and tomatoes. So if you are vegan... They have that option for you, and I guarantee you that's probably the healthiest thing in the whole damn park. <laughs> well, yeah, but you, I mean... Most I would those, eat that. I mean, that's really healthy and tasty. I, I said most... I would, I would say this. I'm not expecting them to have um, all these great options at the ballpark for people who are trying to eat well. No, yeah, I mean, of course not. But I would like for them to have one or two. You know what I mean? Like, here's a grilled chicken sandwich. That's not complicated. Uh, just for just for people who are trying to keep it keep it in tech, because hey, I'm telling y'all, man, just like drugs and gambling and everything, it doesn't take much to trigger people and get off get people off their their regimen. Yeah, and and so if you're really going going hard or just started, somebody hey, let's go to the ball game, and for whatever reason you can't eat, it's just like oh my god, is is there anything here I can try that's sure. not just terrible? So that's what I would like. Well, and it's like going to the state fair. Like, it's fun. Like, you can't go to the state fair and not try some of those options, but you just have a bite of it just to try it. You're like, oh, okay, you know, I have a bite of funnel cake or I have a bite of this, but I'm not going to eat Dude, the whole thing. I keep telling you, man, everybody ain't like that, man. I know, let me, let me, I know. Let me, tell, let me tell it to you like this. <laughs> hey, Matt, just go swim one lap. That's it, bro. Just one. I mean, okay, yeah, I got you because what's the point, you know? Just just one lap. Like, why would that's I do like, that? That's silly. I'm used to swimming 4,000 yards. I can't just swim one lap. Yeah, no, that's, that's, yeah, I got you on that one. So, right. so the other thing is a pizza dog, which is a hot dog. It's trying to get, so it's a, a Texas chili company beef hot dog topped with pepperoni, marinara, and mozzarella cheese, and then baked like it's a pizza. It's just, okay, so th this is a hot dog that is like pizza on top. Just give me one or the other, please. I don't know, man. You can also now order corn ribs. What are those? Corn ribs is basically corn on the cob in rib-sized planks covered with spicy lime, crema, cotilla, and tahine. That probably, that's probably pretty good. That sounds, sounds a little good. bit like a low taste to some degree. I was just going to say it sounded like a low taste on a, uh, on a plank or something like that. That's a what I would guess. A strip of aletos as opposed to in a cup. But I will say that the best thing that they are adding for 2023 to the ballpark, and I'm glad that they are doing this because I'm a big proponent of when I've gone to Major League Baseball parks in other areas, I like to find one thing I will do is seek out, hey, what is what's the thing I have to have that's a local flair that gives me a sense of what you guys do the best locally as far as food goes? Like, for instance, if you go to PNC Park in Pittsburgh, they may tell you it's the pierogies. That's the first time in my life I ever had a pierogi. I didn't even know what it was. 
I was like, a what? Right, right, right. And they're like, it's a pierogi. They're really popular up here. And so I went and had pierogies at PNC Park. So I think this is really cool because Arlington-based Hurtado Barbecue will now have a permanent stand at Globe Life Field. They will begin selling their burrito tacos, beef ribs, loaded brisket nachos, brisket sandwiches, and brisket elotes as the season gets underway. And they have been named the official barbecue restaurant of the Rangers, which I think is cool because now when some of those people come down, you know, maybe it's a New York Yankees fan that's following the team or a Seattle Mariners fan and they come to Texas. I think a lot of people think barbecue. So to be able to give them something like this, that's homegrown, that is local, I think is fantastic. Bro, I was, uh, I was, I sent that to you because I was thinking we talk all the time about, and we've done it for years now, how much we love local restaurants. Right. And I was like, I love this. This is a local dude. Went to, I think he went to high school with Master, our friend Master Tafatson. Okay. Uh, because that's when I, I you know, I'm a, uh, let me see. I love barbecue. It's my favorite thing to eat. Um, I've been trying to, to get my body summer right for the summer. So I, have, I actually haven't had any, bro. It's probably my longest stretch without real Dallas barbecue. I probably haven't had any. Dude, it's probably been two or three months. But um, I used to I used to go someplace once a week. I used to pick a different spot every week, and uh, I remember Master telling me, "Hey, you gotta go to Hurtado's." And it took me forever to find it because it's deep in Arlington, but it's off a of division. So if you know where you're going, you can find it pretty easily. And I went in there and I was like, "Oh, this right here is pretty damn good." Yeah, pretty damn good. And uh, they were one of those places that like, I think we talked about this a couple weeks we ago. We did, yeah, we did. When it's when it's over, it's over. And then they changed it. And said, no, nah, we're just going to, you know, be like other restaurants and we'll just cook it all day long. But I've been jonesing for some barbecue lately. Um, as a former fat guy, here's what I try to do, Matt. When I eat bad stuff or what I consider bad stuff, I try to eat it early in the day, like 11 o'clock or so. So I got mm-hmm. the rest of the day to work it off, you know, walk it off, do something to, so that it's not just sitting in me. But I've been busy in the early part of the day, so I haven't had opportunities to go get it early in the day so now i'm like man all this barbecue talk makes me want some barbecue yeah but dog it's four o'clock and so by the time i go get it eating whatever it's gonna be five thirty-six, and now it's sitting at me so there's another day with no barbecue man well that's unfortunate <laughs> yeah i mean i'm a big barbecue fan as well and, and it's one of those things like anytime people come in town like my my parents are coming to visit in a couple of weeks and it's going to be great going to take them to some great barbecue places and oddly enough we are doing the fantasy football draft this year in Birmingham so all the guys are coming here which I still cannot it's amazing to me some of them have already booked flights and they want to go to all the barbecue places it's one of those things and that's what I think is really cool about this the fact that Hurtado is an Arlington place the Rangers play in Arlington and I didn't realize this but in this article here you know they've they've offered barbecue at rangers ballparks for years well apparently that is from their concessions company called delaware north that has smoked barbecue over the years but like i was saying i mean this this gives you a truly local hey this is what texas is about this is what we do and oh by the way that place is also originally from the city this isn't some delaware north random yes oh it's texas but this company that's doing it has no idea what barbecue is I think this is fantastic. Now, that being said, 
The beef rib will be one of the most expensive items inside the ballpark, $45 per rib. But keep in mind, beef ribs are those big, huge ones that are like a pound and a half to two pounds on a giant bone. Because most people like those baby back ribs or whatever that you think of, those are pork ribs. Those are the little small pork ribs, which are really popular around here. Beef ribs a different thing. Oh, no, man. Beef rib is, that's the truth. Yeah. Um, and I hadn't really, I mean, they're humongous because it's a cow, not a pig. I didn't really un- even understand what the difference was, man, until um, probably like a couple years ago. Yeah. Because remember uh, when Terry Black first got here? We yeah. We were doing a radio show. We yeah. went over there, and I we we just bought a little bit of everything. Yep. And uh, one of the things we bought was a beef rib uh, because I had had one earlier over there, and it was, like, fantastic. And I was like, you guys got to try this. And so, yeah, beef rib. I don't know if I want to pay $50 for a beef rib, but beef ribs are fantastic when done properly. Yeah, man, they are. They are legit, and they're different. And I think this is cool because I didn't realize this. So apparently beginning last year, they had a couple of local food restaurants from nearby Arlington restaurants that served food on a rotating schedule. And Hurtado was one of those. Now they have a permanent location. But Ella B's, Prince Lebanese Grill, and Sugar Bee's Sweets Bakery, along with the Tin Cup Sandwiches and Cartel Taco Bar, all will be a part of what they call Arlington Eats and offer local fare, like actually Arlington-based restaurants offering food at Globe Life Field this year, which is really, really cool. I think that's fantastic, man. And I'm stoked. I'm ready for baseball season. I'm ready to roll. I'll have my Rangers jersey on on Thursday for opening day, and I think it's going to be a fun season. And it's cool that they're starting to do stuff like this. Now, if we could only get them to do this with beer – Instead of having car box shit everywhere, which is out of Houston, that would be fantastic. But you got to start somewhere. <laughs> I'm just saying, I think it's very odd that Carbach is all over that park and that's a Houston-based brewery and we hate the Astros. I've never understood that. <laughs> you're right, you're right, bro. I mean, it could be just my thing and nobody else cares, but I, I feel like you could do more. There could be more done with that, perhaps. So the other thing... To roll out before we hang it up here this afternoon, the Dallas Mavericks, and it's very rare, and I've talked about this before. Every so often, I'll get a Stars or a Mavs game on here in Birmingham because, and obviously the Mavs play on national television a little bit more often than the Stars do, but the Mavs, every every so often I get to watch them, and I got a chance to check them out last night because they were on NBA TV, and so I watched the Pacers game. And I mean, they just turned it on. And, And when you see them play that way, it's so perplexing when, I mean, they were in control of that game. I think it was, I want to say they're up by two at the end of the first quarter, and then they just turned it on in the second quarter and hit a gear that the Pacers just don't have. And you look at that, and you sit here, and you say, okay, you know, now granted, Luka and Kyrie both were playing. They ended up winning that game by 23 points. They finally snapped their four-game losing streak. But it's one of those things where you sit there and you go, all right, that was impressive because Luka had 25, 7, and 6. Kyrie only had 16 and 6. Jaden Hardy comes off the bench and gives him 20 and 4 and was phenomenal. But you sit here and you go, you know, this is what, when when Luka and Kyrie are healthy and can play together, and you got Jaden Hardy coming off the bench, it, it just... It, that's what's so damn frustrating about this thing because you look at this and you go, okay, so you you can be a good team. Like, they are more than capable of running the table. 
But it's still so hard to imagine that they're going to be able to do that now. There's still two games under 500. They're 37 and 39. They just are two games into this this trip here. And there's only six games remaining in the regular season. You know, they got Philadelphia on Wednesday night, then Miami and Atlanta this weekend, then back home against Sacramento, Chicago, and San Antonio. And that's it for the season. Two games under, I mean, God, if you could go on a run here. And that's what, you know, watching the game, hopefully they'll have that on national television tomorrow night when they play Philadelphia, who's one of the best teams in the NBA. You know, you knock off Philadelphia, then all of a sudden we're all going, oh my God, maybe they'll go on a run here. Which is silly because of what we've seen the last couple of weeks. Okay, let me let me break it down to you like this. Because I thought about this as you were saying it. Um, teams are comprised of individuals. We all know this. But teams also have personalities like individuals. And I think the Mavs as a team spent way too much time recently feeling sorry for themselves. Woe is me. We got screwed up. We got screwed by the refs against the Warriors. And then it came out, oh, well, at least we get Charlotte now. But, yeah. you know, they just spent all this woe is me feeling sorry for themselves, acting like a bunch of bitches. And guess what? Nobody feels sorry for you in the professional sports. And so Charlotte, Charlotte, one of the worst teams in the league was like, as Dennis Smith Jr. said, hey, let's put some dirt on them. Let's send their ass home. Yeah. Like, who is raggedy Rudy Pooch Charlotte to feel like they could talk like that about y'all? That says more about you than it does about Charlotte. No doubt. Um, so I think they were feeling sorry for themselves, and that's why they got beat those two games, which is why they were feeling sorry at the beginning. At halftime, they tried to pull their head out of their butt, but guess what? Any team, once you give it confidence, it's too late. I mean, you, can, you can't always get it back because you gave them confidence. They're like, man, we got a chance to win game number 13 this year. Let's go get it, fellas, because we suck. So I think it was a combination of that. And we got to understand, the Pacers didn't play nobody last I mean, last night. They probably their top four players didn't play. Yeah, that's play. true. That's true. They didn't. Somebody called it a glorified G League team. Yeah. So they did what they were supposed to do, but we could certainly say they were certainly supposed to beat Charlotte and didn't. Uh, now, let me move on to something else that's interesting. Not that that wasn't, but this is even more interesting. I was reading this piece, and y'all should read this, cat if you're not. Tim Cato for The Athletic is an excellent reporter. Yeah. And trust me, I don't say that about a lot of folks, but he is he is excellent when it comes to the Mavs. He knows what's going on. He can break it down. And this is what he said was very interesting to me as it relates to Jalen Hardy. He said one reason why the Mavs were so good last year offensively is they basically had a three-guard attack with, with uh, Luka, with Dinwiddie, with um, Jalen Brunson. Okay, and he lays out why the three guard attack worked, which is far more basketball complicated than I want to talk about. But that was the deal. So he said he expected them to have problems running their offense and doing some things this year because why? They only had two guards and Dinwiddie wasn't going to be as good in a two guard rotation as a three guard rotation for reasons that he outlined. Which put too much of an emphasis on Luca to play 40 minutes a game early in the season, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you look at what happens now, they make the Kyrie trade, so they got two guards. When they add Hardy to the mix, what do they have? They back to having three guards. They allow him to bring the ball up some, which gives the other two guys a break. And then he's a guy, because of his offensive prowess, 
can make you guard him, respect him, collapse on him to keep him from getting to the bucket, which then does what, Matt? Open up other guys. So it's late in the year. His minutes are inconsistent because he's a youngster who is inconsistent. But Hardy, crazy as it sounds, might be the key to uh, them making a little bit of a late season run. And if you want to hear more, read more about that, I encourage you. Tim McMahon is the best because he's my boy. But Tim Cato, he's a bad man when it comes to the Mavericks. And now the Mavericks, again, six games left in the regular season. They find themselves, as we sit right now, going into the final six. They are still two games under 500. They are a half game behind Oklahoma City for the 10 spot, a half game behind the Lakers for the nine, and a game and a half behind the Pelicans for the eight. Now, trying to catch Golden State or Minnesota, who are six and seven right now, they're a full two games behind that, so you'd need some help there, and you'd probably have to win out. But I, they're not making the safe playoffs. Their hope now is that they can make the play-in because they will not finish in the final six, or in the top six, excuse me. So your hope now is that you can finish eight, nine, or ten, and that you've got an opportunity in the play-in to at least give yourself a fighting chance to move on and get into the playoffs from that point. Because they're, they're not jumping up to six at this point. That's that's out the window, but the play-in is still possible. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that, that has to be the goal. Um, you know, the goal is just to get into the tournament <laughs> at, at this particular date, just to get in is what you're trying to do. So, um, you know, man, they got to, they, they don't, they can't really afford to lose any more games. We'll see. And, you know, now they got to go to the East Coast for a road trip. They haven't been good on the road against the Eastern Conference teams. Uh, I don't have a lot of hope for them, but, um, you know, they're still in it. They're only a game out, maybe. Uh, Oklahoma City's got the tiebreaker with them. Yeah. But uh, none of these teams are any good. So they're all going to be winning and losing over the last eight games it's just a matter of who can put some sort of consistency together yeah and the hope that Luca and Kyrie can just stay healthy and continue to be able to play together and they have that three guards that are out there with Hardy and then maybe maybe they can do something here at the end to get into the play-in and if you get in the play-in you never know we'll see how this whole thing turns out but that is the podcast to hear for today I hope you guys enjoyed that. And again, thanks so much for making us 1 million downloads. That is badass. A testament to just continuing to share it. Share everything you can about us as we continue to grow with you guys. We appreciate you very much. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.